going on, good people? Welcome back to another episode of Training Well Done, your podcast on the what, the why, and the how of quality training. This is our first episode of 2023, and one thing I wanted to do was bring back the interviews because the data shows that's what the people want. So I have a really exciting interview, and this had actually started from a conversation I was having online. And I am sitting here with Miss Alyssa Chance. Say hi. Hello. I've been following you on Instagram and Strava for the better part of a year, year and a half. It might have actually started closer to the pandemic when I was doing a lot more outreach online to just find more people in the community. And you were, your stats bewilder me. <laughs> and so for those of you listening... Uh, if you're on Strava or on Instagram, she's at Run the Chance. Generally, most days I get on Instagram and she's run 15 to 20 miles. And it's added up and I'm, I started thinking, how do you do this every day? I started doing the math. That's like 100 miles a week. I mean, not a week, a month. No, no, a week. Yes, a week. And so I wanted to bring you on it to talk because I feel like a lot of the people listening probably hear of people like that like in ultra magazine or something like that but they don't really hear from people who put in those kind of miles especially that are not from what i understand a super serious like ultra competitor either so please tell us a little bit about about what your regimen so um usually it's uh limited to however much time i have i use my runs to commute in the morning um, monday through friday for work so um, I leave the house at um, around five in the morning and I have to be at work at eight. I work downtown, I live in the West End. And you know, if you know the West End and downtown, that's only about four and a half miles apart. Um, but I like to explore. I like to find new things, new art, new views. So I use the morning run on my way to work instead of being stuck in a car or stuck on the bus as a way to explore the city. So my runs, um, it's just however much time I have in the morning. So if I'm going real slow that day, maybe I only run 10 or 11 miles. If I get up and get going and I have a little more pep in my step, maybe it'll be 13 or 14. For a run to work, um, but I try to find something interesting and something new that, you know, even if you've been down that street a million times, you might see something new. There might be a new piece of art, a new piece of graffiti. Um, a lot of my focus is on finding art and in public art and things like that. So as long as I can make it to work <laughs> before I have to um, be at my desk at 8 a.m., pretty much everything is on the table. How did you become so interested in seeing art as you're out running? So um, I was originally, when I was in um, high school and I was thinking about what I wanted to do with my life, I actually um, was very much into art. I was a painter and I wanted to go to art school so badly. Um, my family wasn't quite on board with that. They're like, do something that will make you money. <laughs> um, art won't feed you. And so that dream kind of got put in a drawer, but I still very much appreciate art. Um, 
So even if I'm not creating it myself, um, I like to support artists and, you know, kind of amplify their voices, show their work, and so a lot of times when I find the work, I try very hard to find out who it was, who did it, um, who's behind it, why they did it, and do a lot of research. So <laughs> one of the first things I do after I upload my run is look through my pictures, start looking online to try and find out if I found something new, who it's about, you know, who did it, and just get some more information on it so that I can share it with other people. So, do you usually like look at the tag that's on there? So, a lot of times, you know, if it's graffiti, sometimes there'll be a tag, sometimes there won't be, sometimes there'll be a signature, sometimes there won't be. Um, I follow a lot of artists in the city on social media, so mm -hmm. that's how I find a lot of these things. But, um, but yeah, so sometimes it's not legible, sometimes. They don't want to be found, and it's mm. anonymous, and you know, you have to do a little more digging. So. Okay. Huh. What's one of the most abstract things you found out on a run? Oh, um, probably one of my favorite things that I like to take people to show them, aside from the, the different perspectives that you can get of this city on foot, um, is the Skunk Hollow Troll. Um, Skunk Hollow Troll. It's down underneath the Bloomfield Bridge. It's made of metal. It's this little dude hanging out, sitting on this concrete pad, looking out into um, the underneath the Bloomfield Bridge. It's called Skunk Hollow, and so he looks out over into these into the hollow. He's got a little top hat and everything, and you know he has a little. His hand uh, is shaped in a way that he can have a drink. And so it's kind of like a really cool thing that um, I stumbled across and like to, to share with people. What's under the, that bridge, actually? Is so that the busway? Yeah, there, no, there's a road. There's a road that goes directly under it. It's in uh, considered in Polish Hill. So I spend a lot of time looking at maps and finding different ways to get to different places. I like to explore the... Um, unbeaten paths, I guess. Um, I prefer not to run on really highly populated places like the river trail and things like that where you see a lot of runners. I like to be in the thick of it in the city and you know you'll more likely find me you know scooting around an alley or upstairs or, or something like that than you would necessarily find me on you know the river walk by PNC Park. <laughs> mm. I'm like, I've I've driven across that bridge so many times, and and I'm like a map nerd too. Like I love looking at maps. When I was a kid, I used to have I had a stack of bus schedules like this for catching the bus. I used to know Port Authority like. I learned in like high school that they were numbered counterclockwise, the A through E went as far as depth into the neighborhoods go. Like I was a map nerd like that. Like a lot of my travels when I was in grad school came on the back of that. I say all that to say, I have never sat down and actually looked up what's under the bridge. I thought about it. Like so I don't know what's under there, but I've never looked it up. Gold Way, um, I believe is the name of the road that goes on to the high side um, so that would be like what's considered like the Oakland Polish Hill side. 
Um, and then on the other side is Bloomfield, correct? Yes. So then down in the hollow is actually pretty industrial. And you can go down through the hollow as well. Um, huh. So there's an upper road directly underneath the bridge that's kind of closer and goes into Polish Hill. But then there's another one further down. And there's a lot of warehouses. There's a couple... Um, welding shops and things like that down there. So a lot of a lot of good things for you to explore. I'll, I'll be sure to share the uh, Skunk Hollow picture. Oh, and that you. goes from Neville. <laughs> yes. I thought Neville was off limits because of the busways. I knew the busway kind of went yeah. under there. Yeah, so the busway the... does, but it's it's not quite the same. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, okay, there's that Mercedes-Benz store. Yeah, I remember as a kid, I would catch the EVO. And I remember the EVO would go down Neville, and I just, like, always in my head, it was off limits, but I never looked to see yeah, what was so down there. Yeah, it's kind of, like, beside it, down, down below it, yes. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So, how long have you been keeping this? Actually, how, first of all, how many miles are you generally doing every week? So, in a week, it's usually between 80 and 90. Okay. So, um, usually Monday through Friday, or Monday through Thursday, they're, you know, 10 to 13, and then Friday used to be a rest day <laughs> um, and then my husband had surgery and long story short I started running on Fridays again um, and I was like well I'll just do a couple miles on Friday and I'll call it happy hour and so that was kind of like my way Fridays I take in all the things that I need for the next week all my food clothing so I don't have to pack it in on my back every morning so I used to do that. I used to have a commuter pack and I'd pack in clothes and all the food I'd eat for the day. And then it got to be like, you know, my pack would weigh 10, 15 pounds. And so I came up with the idea, why don't I just on my rest day, I'll bus in everything, leave it at my office because now I have a space to put it. And then I can just run freely the rest of the week. And so that's what I was doing. But then when my husband had the surgery, um, I started like taking my stuff in on the bus he was driving me for a while and I was like oh well I'm here already I'll, you know I'll do, do a couple miles in town instead of having to run from home and mm -hmm. you know do something different and so I was using it as like an adventure run um, and I would take because I would take the bus and they have the three-hour transfer um, and I was being cheap I said well I'm gonna get the most for my money I'm gonna bus down the town, drop off my stuff, and then take a bus somewhere else, and then commute to the city. So like I would hop on the busway or hop on the T and start from Beachview and start from um, Wilkinsburg and then run to town. So it's a new, what? kind of like to mix it up. That's so I'd get on, a, in fact, I got on the south busway which i didn't even know existed i was like i don't even know where i'm at i'm on the y something or other i don't know where i'm gonna get off this bus the <laughs> this bus drops me off and it's like desolate <laughs> i'm like where am i and now i gotta figure out how to get back out of here and so i put routes on my watch so i'm not completely blind getting out of the neighborhood but it's kind of like a new adventure check out some new neighborhoods in ways that I couldn't get to before. So That sounds so fun. I I never thought to do that running. The closest I've ever done anything like that was like if I'm traveling somewhere foreign and I'm feel like when I was in Mexico and I feel decently safe, 
a few times just caught a bus or a taxi to just go somewhere and just get dropped off and just walk back <laughs> essentially yeah and then just you know that's the best way to explore a new place right i never thought about that doing running in a city though yeah so you you know it opens up all these different possibilities and you think to yourself well i'd like to you know maybe i'd like to go up into squirrel hill but i don't want to have to run up forbes i'm just going to take the bus there and i can run back down (laughs) you know stuff like that um but it it actually started um a, a trail run too so i run in the woods and um, it actually started uh, with my husband and I would do these day trips where we'd go some, he's a fly fisherman. So a lot of the places where you can trail run is also good places to fly fish. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like a good um, hand in hand thing. And we would play these adventure games where he would just drop me off somewhere on the trail. and. I would have an idea of like where I wanted to go and how far I wanted to go. I'd tell him where he'd drop me off. He'd drop me off at the side of the road. I'd go into the woods and the idea was to then find him a few hours later wherever he parked the car fishing. And you know, we communicated a little to have an idea, but it would be sight unseen. I'd have to like navigate the trail myself and get there. Um, We did this a couple times on the Laurel Highlands Trail. Um, he would drop me off uh, up in the Laurel Highlands near Hidden Springs area, and then I think he went to go fish in um, Laurel Run Park. So I would run to Laurel Run Park, and I'd find my way there. And, um, and because of your range, he could be miles away. Yeah. yeah, and so usually on those type of days, he would tell me, okay, give me, you know, let's say four to five hours. So that four to five hours would be a good timeline for him to fish and it would be a good timeline for me to run. So, so you'd run for four or five hours? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, trail running is generally, you're out there longer, you go a little slower. Um, I started as a road runner, uh, just doing, need to get um, myself fit. Uh, I was very unfit for a while, and in 2011, I bought a treadmill, and I said, enough, we got to do something. So I started doing treadmill runs, and then gradually I'd go outside and do a couple miles, and then it just kind of potato chipped from there. Um, and then somewhere in there, the Boston, Boston bombing happened, and my mother said to me, promise me, I was doing a lot of 5Ks then, promise me you'll never do a marathon. She was very afraid for my safety. And I said, mom, nobody's bombing a 5K. I'm not doing a marathon. (laughs) Don't worry about it. So, um, and then I had to call her not even a year later and say, mom, I'm sorry. I signed up for the Pittsburgh marathon. (laughs) So I was like, "Uh, yeah, I'm going to try this. And so then it just kind of snowballed from there. And um, then I got into trail running and uh, they are um, a great bunch of people. Trail runners are a very welcoming community and very encouraging um, and will try to get you to do more. Yeah. (laughs) And the next thing I knew, I 
I did my first 50 mile race. And how, how soon after? Well, I did, uh, did a bunch of 50Ks and then the 50 mile race wasn't, actually wasn't too long. Well, no, the 50 mile race was in, hmm, I'd have to look back and see what year it was, but uh, it didn't take a whole lot of time. <laughs> So it kind of, it really escalated. I did a 50 miler and then dropped back and started doing 50 Ks again. And then I didn't do my second 50 miler until 2020. So, you know, it wasn't like I'm not doing them all the time. And a lot of my trying friends, um, in fact, my core group, they're all 100 milers. And um, one of my friends right now is currently um, training for a 200 miler. So, I didn't even know they offered 200 miles. I thought the whole long race stopped at 24 hours. No, um, and in 100 miles, um, a lot of times they give you about 30 hours to do. So mm-hmm. if you think of that, you're, you're seeing a sunset, a sunrise, a, you know, like you're seeing it all. Um, 200 miles, there aren't many. Um, the one that my friend is doing is in Tahoe, and you... Um, originally the race circumnavigated Tahoe Lake um, so What's, it, what state is that in? California okay. <laughs> yes yes um, so yeah she uh, so she'll be out there a long time they give you a couple days to do that one so are there people um, like on the course checking? yeah so you get you, a lot of times these longer races you get um a safety beacon something of that nature you get a safety beacon um, and then they have um, these people called sweepers that will run the course at a certain pace whatever the cutoff limit is so they have times you have to make okay. and so if you don't make that cutoff the sweeper basically you know uh, in the marathon they do it with a bus you know, yeah. the bus drives behind everybody and if you don't make the cutoff you gotta you gotta get on Gotcha. <laughs> wow. So your running story started in 2011. 2011, and then then just kind of like grew from there. And I got very interested in how can I maximize my time to be able to run. And I was spending a lot of time commuting to work on the bus because I, I don't drive. I have um, actually a fear of driving. I have a lot of anxiety around driving. So... If I get anywhere, it's on foot, public transit, or someone else is kind enough to give me a lift. Um, So I thought to myself, you know, of course, everybody that's ever ridden public transit, you know it takes time. They stop and let people on and let people off. And um, I thought, how can I maximize my time to be able to run as much as I want? And... I said I got to figure out a way to be able to commute to work, and that running, run commuting wasn't like a highly publicized thing. And there's just like a lot of there's a couple runners out there that kind of like throw together their own kit and put tips up and everything of how you could do this and what you can do if you have a shower, if you don't have a shower, what you should carry with you, and how you can um, pair down the weight that you carry. I used a lot of backpackers tips 
to be able to do that um, because you know they have to be very concerned with how much weight they carry and then my uh, work in the US steel building and they opened a YMCA and it was like that's it I'm gonna have a shower it's gonna it's gonna work out great you know and so then it became from there it's like now so I get to spend as much time out as I want and not have to get on the bus. <laughs> when did you start run commuting? Um, so probably that didn't happen until maybe 2000. I probably casually run, run commuted maybe 2017, I want to say. Um, but then it, it just has become every time. Now, mm. the last couple years, like, that's how I get to work. Um, there are, one day a week I will take the bus, take my stuff in for the week, all my clothes and food, and make sure that I'm stocked up for the week so I don't have to carry as much, and then the rest of the time I'm on foot. Wow. And so you said the last couple years, like, when you started, well, actually, let me ask you this a better way. Over the years... How has your weekly mileage climbed up to be able to get to 100 miles? So it's definitely, it used to be, um, oh, I could probably fit in eight or nine miles and then I would get up earlier. <laughs> and then maybe it was like nine or 10 and then I'd get up earlier. And then at one point my husband started getting up at like four in the morning to be able to like go out to run at five and I was like you're crazy and he's like well it's summer it's hot this is the best time to go because you know it's cooler in the morning and I have time before work and I suddenly like was like well that's an option I can adopt that and the time of day time is 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 nothing mm -hmm. you know it's what you make of it so it's you know, my favorite quote from Douglas Adam is, time is an illusion, lunchtime doubly so. It makes no difference. If you get up at four, um, trust me, you're going to be ready to go to bed at eight. Those people that tell me, oh, I can't get up that early, I can't go to bed that early, it doesn't matter. It's, it's how you adjust your life. You know, people that say, you know, how could you get up that early? Well, you get up that early enough times at eight o'clock, you're gonna be looking at the clock and saying, is it time to go to bed? <laughs> and it is. <laughs> That's been something I've been trying to adjust myself to do. I've been playing with that the last three months. I mean, for the last eight years or so, what was it 2013? God, God, time's moving. For the last like 11 years, I've been working on like being up early. And I think around 2013, well, 2011 was the first time I really was like, all right, I'm going to start getting up early. But this was in college and it was like, I'm going to get up at 7 a.m. to study. <laughs> and then I started listening to these like, there's this, there's this guy, Eric Thomas, he's this motivational speaker. It was the whole thing, sleep is for suckers. I got deep into this whole thing about like not sleeping, but I would just not go to bed early. And I would just wake up really early, which is not good. So burning the candle at both ends. And yes. Not, yeah. So I started going down to like five to six hours of sleep. And I did that probably from 20, yeah, four and a half to six hours of sleep most nights from 2012 until honestly COVID. 
I'm shocked that you were able to like extend it that long because I I know that I will fall asleep. <laughs> I would I can now I would nap every now and again and I'm one of those people if I want to take yeah. a nap I put my head down and like I'll do a 20 30 minute power nap so I guess I'm out immediately. I guess that's the difference. I'm not a a, a good napper. I'm mm-hmm. I'm learning. <laughs> that is something I'm working on. I was like there has got to be space in my life for a nap at some point. And yeah. I got to figure out how to do it. And so in the last like year I've been trying to like you know, tell myself, okay, just go lay on the couch. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you'll shut your eyes for a few minutes. And, yeah. You know, so, but it usually doesn't work because my mind starts going about the things that I need to do. And so once I'm up, I'm up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that makes sense. I, um, and I, 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 I struggle at being that way though. Like once I'm up, I don't have to be up. Like that's a new thing for me that I'm trying to do because over those years, it was probably about 2014, 2015. No, no, sorry, no. 2016, 2017, where like I actually started sleeping maybe six to seven hours because a lot of it was coaching stuff. Like when I was living in Texas, I would have to be up. I was up early coaching at five, six a.m. Or I was up. I was like practicing Spanish or practicing Swahili or something like that at like six in the morning before I started <laughs> class. And like I was in this super, I need to be very productive, try hard type of spirit. Right. And But I also didn't like going to bed early. So that's the other part. I hated going to bed early. I right. still don't like going to bed early, honestly. And then when I started the business and I started doing coaching at 5 a.m. and 6 a.m. every day, that, at, that was like 2000. 18, yeah, 2018 going into 2019. Then you got to get up even earlier. I have to get up even earlier. I was getting up at 4, but I had to be somewhere. And, and I can get up that early very well if I have to be somewhere. Right. But then COVID hit, and I didn't have to. So then I started getting seven hours. I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Right. I don't ever want to go back from this. So then when we reopened, I kept the seven hours thing. But over the last, gosh, that was three years ago. Over the last two and a half years, like my my need to be anywhere very early has gone. Like as I've built this whole thing, I just don't need to be up. But I find that's the most productive time. And the lap this started in like December. I'll get up at like four and just go run at like four thirty. And like for me, October turbocharger. I'm on top of the world. I just ran at four thirty and I start work at like six and try to be done early and it will be great and I'm, I'm trying to get back into that flow it's that's, not hard to be consistent that's absolutely um true if you um and if you ask any of the the people that i run with early in the morning mm-hmm. you know a lot of times i'm by myself but i do have um, some friends that run with me that early um it does it does something to your brain like you're you're like yeah it's done and there nothing got in my way to do it and you know People that tend to run in the afternoon or at lunch, you know, a, another work call comes in, another meeting, and um, maybe you didn't, maybe you needed to eat something, and now you can't go. It's like swimming; you can't go <laughs> run right away, um, or you're gonna have a bad time. Um, but the yeah, afternoon things tend to get in the way and that's how I mean that's human nature that's what happens with us we things come up and but when you are up at 
four in the morning. No one else is. <laughs> nobody's bothering you and nobody's taxing on your time. That's your time. And it's, it's, there's something so magical about watching the world wake up and seeing the sunrise. And, you know, I mean, it sounds, you know, a little corny and a little cheesy, but um, all the people that you do see in the morning, um, it, I call them the up before you crew. These are all the people that have to go to work before you do. And that's the baristas and the donut shop people. And you know, the people that are there when you are bleary eyed walking in for your first cup of coffee, those people were there at 3.30. Those people were there at four. There aren't many of those people out. Um, this is also the lowest crime time. This is the lowest statistical time for crime mm -hmm. is that early part in the morning because you have the people that were at the after clubs or whatever doing things late at night, they go to bed and then the early people haven't quite got up yet. So there's that window that statistically I've looked it up because my family gives me a very hard time about running by myself in the dark and I said, look, I'm statistically safer now than I would be at 7 p.m. Mm. You know, like that's when the crime happens, 7, 8, you know, 9 p.m. And that's when a lot of runners go out. And, uh, you know, there's, there's unfortunately a lot of harassment and things that happen, um, you know, to runners. And, and that's a whole nother story. But in, in the morning, you... <laughs> Like I said, it's less statistical crime. You're watching the world wake up. Um, there's usually a lot less traffic that early. And I tend to um, find that headlights help me, you know, so I know a car is coming. You know, if it's the middle of the day, I maybe, if I have headphones in, I don't hear it. Mm -hmm. Headphones are kind of like a visual trigger, you know, so I feel, I personally feel safe. Okay. At five in the morning this, than I would any other time of the day. I just had a conversation like that with somebody about being up that early. I don't know if it was, um, I think it was a young woman I was having a conversation with about like trying to encourage her to run more consistently. Like well, you could just get up earlier and, but it's like it's pitch black. And I was like, but all the people who are usually doing any crimes, they went to bed at like two. Right. Two or three right. o'clock. You get up at like four four five yeah like people I, I didn't know there was any data behind there's this. definitely there's studies out there you can share it with your with your friend your mm -hmm. client um there i mean it's there's been studies done in this city mm -hmm. and there's been studies done you know like nationwide um so there's there's tons of data out there that'll show that but you know, when it came to like I said my husband getting up early that you know in the summer months and I was like well I mean, I could add a little more and I could add a little more. And then when um, 2020 came around and the pandemic hit, I probably was not consistently doing uh, like an 80 or 90 mile a week. I was probably somewhere in the neighborhood of like maybe 60s, 70s, hit 80 here and there. Mm -hmm. But then <laughs> it became like a goal to like, get to that number to get to the 80 number because I and I started doing it consistently 
and there was only one week in the last there was only one week in the last three years of the, you know since the pandemic started that I did not hit a minimum of 80 and um, it was uh, due to pacing duties I was paid I promised to pace a friend and I said okay well I'm gonna pace you for 50 miles I'm gonna cut back my running during the week and um, unfortunately the, the race didn't go as planned and um, he dropped out and I was like I kind of joke with them I was like come on I'm gonna I'm gonna lose my streak if you drop out. <laughs> and I gave him a hard time but when it came down to it uh, it was it was the right choice and mm. you know like that's that's fine so that was the only week that I didn't hit it and it's arbitrary it's it's just kind of another part of the fun game. It's an arbitrary number. When we had this super cold um, Christmas weekend, I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna make my goal this week. I don't know if I can put in that many miles in, you know, in these conditions. And um, just so happened that we did a longer run earlier in the week and it kind of banked some miles early in the week, but I still went out those did you go out on Friday? I went out on Friday. I went out on Saturday. <laughs> I yeah. Um, there, you will find me out there in every condition. Um, it's all a matter of the right gear. Yeah. Um, so that means in icy conditions, you got carbide spikes in your shoes, and you got layers, and you know you just it's the appropriate gear. Know what you're getting into. So I did not adequately prepare. I got a, so I didn't post this on Instagram. I posted this on Facebook and in my newsletter, but like the story was just too long for me to post on Instagram. Well, I went out. I had a friend and she was posting on I was on her story and she was like, "Yeah, I would go out here, but it's like a little windy and uh, yeah, I don't know yet." And like part of that was like, "No, I'm going to go out here." And then I saw another friend her and her husband, they were out running in that and I was like, "I'm going out." So I go I run out of my house and the wind was blowing west to east. So this was Friday morning as the as the conditions were deteriorating. Yes. Right? Okay. Okay. Got <laughs> so it. I go out and I realize, oh, I should cover my face. Like my face is cold. So I run back to go get a gator to cover my face. And I got hit in the face really hard. I was like, whoa, man. I only went like a hundred meters and turned around to go get this thing. <laughs> and I was like, whoa. I logged in the back of my head, this is gonna suck on the way back. And I ran to my sister's house and like I live in Bloomfield, she lives in Lincoln, so like that's an eastward oh, wow. eastward yeah. run. Yeah. And it was like it's like three and a half to get there, so it was like three and a half back. So I'm running and it felt great. I had double pants on, I had a long sleeve, a sweater, and a hoodie, I had a hat, I had gloves, the glasses were driving me crazy because I pulled the gator up over my nose and it kept fogging, that was annoying. But I run to her house and I'm like, I feel great. I ran up Lemington Avenue, which is this really long, yeah, road, yeah, you know, I'm yeah. so I sprinted up there, I took my photo up, the photo I took was up there, I was like, yeah, I'm the man, right? I go to her house, I'm hanging out with my nephew, my niece, and it's all fun and games. I go leave, because I'm starting to cool down, and I'm like, okay, I'm cool, I need to go run again, so I get right. the heat back up. So I run down um, Stranahan, you've run up Stranahan? Yeah. So I run down Stranahan, I'm like trying to not slip and fall. Then I hit Lincoln Avenue, and when I hit Lincoln Avenue, I almost cried. I was ready to, oh my God, this is the most what stupid thing ever. What time of day was this? Because it, it, it was like deteriorated. 11. That's about when it deteriorated about like 
nine. Yeah. It started getting worse. Yes. And yeah, so. When I first got up, I was thinking about running at eight or nine, but I kept like, you know, just kind of tiptoeing around. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then I like finally decided, but the wind had picked up. Yeah, it was about 11, 12 o'clock. And I'm running down Lincoln Avenue. And I mean, it's like somebody's physically pushing me. And it hit me in my face. And I'm like, I've never felt anything like this in my life. This is horrible. Like, I'm like, <laughs> I have to literally turn around and run down Lincoln Avenue backwards. Because it was because so... Because it was so windy. Yeah. And it kept moving my hat around. So I, I run down Lincoln Avenue crying. Like, there's literally, like ice on my eyelashes because I'm crying (laughs) (laughs) and I'm running down East Liberty Boulevard on Broad Street and I'm like this is this is horrible and I kept having to adjust my hat because the wind kept blowing my hat and like my hair is long and I didn't have earmuffs so I get in the house finally I get in the house I get the bomb boulevard and there's like these long buildings on I sprint my ass off to go down Bond Boulevard to get to the house. And because I just could not deal with any more wind except for there was pockets when there was no buildings and yeah. then I was like suffering again. So I get in the house and I go in there, my, my nephew lives with me, and I'm like, yeah, like I did that. Like, I'm that guy. I lay on the couch and my ear touches the couch and I cried again. <laughs> <laughs> and and it probably took you a while before you could like take the layers off mm-hmm. and I like laid there almost fully clothed from the outside because yeah I didn't want to like try to do all that too fast I didn't take a shower for hours electricity went out so I couldn't take a shower like with any hot water at least oh no and then later on it's like I get in the house like 1.30 it's about like I take a nap I lay there I eat I nap I my ear is stinging it hurts but because the lights are out I I couldn't go in the mirror and check my ear because it was too dark in the bathroom and frostbite uh-huh. And yeah. I didn't think to use my phone to look at it because I was an idiot. So then it's like 4.30. I go take a shower. I go in the bathroom. The electricity is back on. I'm like, oh my God, my ear. It looks like one of those jujitsu cauliflower ears. This is crazy. Why is it so big and so red? I was terrified. Yeah. So it's uh, yeah, frostbite. That happens so fast in those temperatures. Yeah. I didn't realize it could happen so fast just from my hat being blown around. So I have um, a condition called Raynaud's where um, it's it's very difficult to keep my hands and my feet warm. Hmm. Um, it's it's uh, they don't know a whole lot about it, but it's like the blood vessels in your hands and extremities can um, do the spasm and close, and it's. It's pretty freaky to see because the blood flow will just stop going there and your oh. fingers will turn white. I mean, ghost white. Like the, yeah, the, Whoa. I'll send you a few pictures. But the first time it happened, I was like, am I dying? It's like, what is happening? Like, I felt like that cartoon where the color just drains mm. from it. And it's very transient and it doesn't um, happen like how you would want it to so you go to the doctor and you can't say look you know it has so finally i was at the doctor's one day and it was chilly in the office and it triggered an an attack and they saw it and they oh yeah that's what it is Mm -hmm. it doesn't really hurt anything but you do have to try and keep them extra warm so i'm very careful about that use a lot of hand warmers and stuff like that but i have no qualms about going out in the winter. I prefer the winter 
Yeah. Over the summer, I hate summer running. I'm a heavy sweater, and I just, you know, die in the summer. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely die in the summer. So the colder, the better. And because I'm such a heavy sweater, you were saying about, you know, the tears freezing on your face. A lot of times, my respiration and my sweat will collect on my eyelashes, and I'll have, like, these frosted eyelashes. <laughs> so it kind of looks like... You know, mascara or something white mascara. It's pretty fun to wow. have stuff like that happen. But, but yeah, I, I, uh, I definitely went out. And over the years, I've, I read a lot about you know what people use and what works, and found some gear that works. Um, I use a brand of shoe called Ice Bugs that is a Swedish company. They actually put the carbide tips into the shoe, so they're integrated in the shoe. Mm. I can run across a pure sheet of ice without slipping a, a single step, and it, it's amazing. It's a type of shoe, or is it something that goes on the shoe? It, so there are two different. I actually have the stuff that you can put onto your shoe, like you can. It's like an overshoe type of thing that you put over your current running shoe. But then I have shoes that actually have them. The the carbide metal tips in it. So what's this brand called? <laughs> Ice Bug. Ice Bug. They're not yeah, a sponsor of the show, but yeah. I need to look them up. So uh, <laughs> yeah, they're a great company. Uh, they're carbon neutral. They um, come out with some great products. But then there's um, there's also different products if you want to still run with your own shoes. Like you're like, oh, I really like this brand of shoe. I like to continue running in it. I don't want to have to switch in the winter. Um, there's micro spikes and nano spikes and stuff that you can put over your shoes. I don't recommend Yak Tracks. They are crap. Okay. They don't really work really well. <laughs> but uh, feel free to shoot me a message. I'll, I'll send you a list of the, of the gear. But, but yeah, it's it's essential, and and Pittsburgh's gonna Pittsburgh, you know. Right? <laughs> Pittsburgh is gonna Pittsburgh. It's, it's gonna be <laughs> Pittsburgh weather. It's gonna happen, right? You know that we're gonna get snow. You know we're gonna get ice. You know it's going to be some bad weather. And if you are only gonna run when it's perfect, ideal outside, you're gonna have a very few days to run outside. Yeah. So you just got to be prepared for whatever whatever it is and you know also when when you're using it as your commute you mm -hmm. that's it. You, you can't know, play if, any if games about that. If it's pouring down rain you go. If you know like, So you go down and pouring down rain. Pouring down rain, snow, you name it. You have extra shoes and socks. I'll yeah, like, so at the work. office there's you know yeah, like a whole have, locker. Yeah, <laughs> so I keep clothes there but then you know, I'll usually go home at the end of the day wearing the shoes that I ran in. So I'll like stick them on my <laughs> my register in my office, the heater, and like try and like dry them out and stuff like that. So yeah, that's do you thing. do you bus home or run home? I usually will bus home. Okay. Because afternoons are you know notorious for just annoying and yeah. unsavory activities. Like it's like it's a lot of traffic, and then you have to be really conscientious about what you eat throughout the day. Um, um, I have a pretty sensitive stomach when it comes to what I eat and what I can run on, mm. um, which 
generally becomes uh, a bit of a problem sometimes with fueling because I don't tend to eat enough. Mm. Like so taking enough fuel when I'm running and that isn't really necessarily a problem with a normal 10 mile, you know, 10 or 12 mile commute, but when you're doing a 50K out in the woods, mm -hmm. it's a different thing when you're trail running though. You eat real food. Mm -hmm. You're running at a slower rate, so your stomach's not quite as, um, you know, it's not like road running. You're not jostling quite as badly yeah. as, as you are with trail running. It's a, it's a, you know, you power hike the hills and, and whatever, so you have a little bit, uh, a little bit more leeway. So your body doesn't, Completely, when you eat, it takes away all blood flow, puts it to your stomach, and you know that's what causes a lot of problems for people with digestive problems mm -hmm. um, when they're running. And you know when you're doing uh, a trail run, it's a it's a little different scenario. But but yeah, I tend not to <laughs> not to eat enough. So um, the running in the afternoon is tends to be. Um, something I don't usually do. Okay. I did it for a while, but I was like, you know, I don't like this. Mm. <laughs> I'm not a fan. I'd rather do my running in the morning. I'm going to, yeah. So I take the bus down my Okay, that makes sense. So, kind of for the last piece, you're talking about nutrition anyways. How do you take care of your body so that you can run 80 plus miles a week? I, I feel like that requires some particular maintenance. So, I, I do... Um, I do some strength training, you know, to help prevent injury. So I had gotten out of the habit for a little while, but back into it now. I tend to go on my lunch break, go down to the gym, you know, even if it's for a half an hour and lift um, four days, three to four days a week. And then um, uh, we, do, we do eat out here and there, but I cook a lot of, you know, cook at home. Um, I really load up on I'm veggie heavy. Mm -hmm. I do eat meat, but I'm pretty vegetable heavy. And then I, I mean, I just try and rest. Like I, I'm pretty strict about, you know, oh, it's eight o'clock. It's time for me to go to bed. And um, I don't have any qualms about skipping something because it's too late now. Friend invited me over for New Year's, and I went to her house, and uh, we had a good time. But it just at a little after midnight, I was like, "Okay, done. I gotta go." And I struggled so badly the next day, mm -hmm. um, just trying to get myself out of bed, and it just like kind of threw me off. Um, I didn't regret going, but it was like I know that this is prepared for this. I know this is what's going to happen. So having a non-physical job helps. Mm -hmm. Like I work a desk job. So you like, that's my activity for the day. You know, as I go and I run and, um, yeah, I walk around the office and I run errands for my boss and everything. But for the most part, it's somewhat sedentary. I made them get me a standing desk so that I'm not sitting all the time because that's, you know, a big no-no for runners is to sit all the time. It shortens your muscles and mm -hmm. um, can make you stiff. So I have a standing desk that I can use. Um, but yeah, it's like, it, I don't know. It, 
my husband says sometimes he, he doesn't understand how I do it too and it just my body still allows me to do it and there are times where it'll tell me you know hey this isn't working um, yeah, I've had my injuries throughout the years and those would be the times when my mileage was lower but in the last in the last two or three years, knock on wood, I haven't really had any any things that have kept me from getting up in the morning. And it's just part of my it's part of my routine. It's part of you know what my body expects to do in the morning. What my body expects to go out and do. And it's comfortable doing it. And without it, you know, I'm like, well, you wouldn't get up and you wouldn't not brush your teeth and you know. Those are just things you do. It's like one of those things, what do you have to gain by not doing it? Yeah, I, there's, right, and it's, if I don't do it, will it, will the world end? No. Will I be sad? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> will I be grumpy? Absolutely. <laughs> um, and there was a time where, uh, you know, it would be a question, you know, my husband would say, are you going to go run today? Now it's like, he, he instead asked me, where are you running today? Mm. What are you going to see today? That's generally what he'll ask. He'll say, what's on the agenda for tomorrow? What are you going to go see? So, it, because my motivation tends to be, I just want to be out there and experiencing it and seeing it. So, um, but... It, it does mean making sure I go to bed early and, you know, keep a schedule. Keeping a schedule is probably my biggest thing. Yeah. Is, is keeping consistent. And, you know, the I honestly do believe in um, strength training to keep you from being injured. It's an important thing. You know, running is a very, you know... Running isn't running doesn't build your strength, <laughs> mm-hmm. and there needs to be a lot of supporting things done to make sure that you can run. Like I can tell when I've slacked too much on core work over some weeks, and you know I'm out trail running and I kick a root and I have to try and like keep myself from falling and you engage the your core muscles, and then the next day you're like, oh man, I'm my sore. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and you realize, well, that means that your muscles probably need a little bit more work in the gym. <laughs> yeah. So. I find myself having to learn that even with all this, I was doing a bunch of, like, sled drags and stuff with my knees. And I'm realizing my quads are weak, and I hate admitting things like that. And I'm realizing, oh, Donald, you need to take better care of yourself. <laughs> and, like, just feeling like, no, I'm a machine. I can keep going and realizing you're not 23 anymore. Yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, I I don't know. I, I guess it's a bit of an anomaly. I am 47. I'm not exactly super young to be doing this. But I think it's, um, you get to a certain level and, you know, your body gets used to it and gets comfortable. And, like, I would, and, and don't get me wrong, I, I would never recommend running to somebody, really. Like no? I, no. I, <laughs> what? I, this, this is, I, people will tell me, I could never run. I can't run. 
And I it's okay, you don't have to. Like, find what you like to do. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm not gonna tell you, you love running, it's the best. But these, but I will tell you, these are the reasons why I love running. Mm-hmm. And these are the reasons why I like to run. It, it gives me that freedom. It gives me the opportunity to see new things. It allows me to, you know, say, I moved myself from, you know, Sheridan to, you know, Homewood today and then back. And, you know, I was able to see all these things along the way. And I met all these people and I waved to these people and saw these things. And <clears throat> I do, there's a lot of people on my, um, some of my routes, like closer to home that I see all the time. And I get to engage with them. At five in the morning? Yeah. So the, <laughs> I have a bus driver that drives, um, my street has a loop and so the drive, the bus comes in and then comes back out a few minutes later and then goes down the street that that I usually take to work and some there are some mornings I will see him three times um, just because on the same route just because of the way he goes and the way I go and then I'll see him coming back from town he beats and waves every time and he's a very consistent driver I see him all the time he knows me we wave to each other we don't know each other's names but you know it's like it's it's comforting to see people you know all the time i see this man he works for the city of pittsburgh on the clean team you know you see them going around and they they have the little brooms and the the trash can and they make sure that all the garbage is picked up and put away he will stop what he's doing every time he sees me clap and bow and do all these crazy things or cheer for me and there used to be some people in my old neighborhood this guy he would just be standing waiting for the bus and if he saw you he'd cheer you know so interactions like that are so fun you know and like you see people that you may not know them but they're they're part of your lives you Mm. know like they're they're an interaction for you and they look forward to seeing you. You look forward to seeing them. You know, even right down to there was a, a panhandler that used to um, be at this one intersection in town. I used to see him all the time. We used to wave at each other, "Hi, how you doing?" And you know, just he, I stopped to talk to him a few times, and I haven't seen him in a while. And now, you know, I'm worried. You know, you think about these people. Mm. I mean, you think about these people that. Come in and out of your life, and you wonder. Sometimes you wonder what their story is, and, but sometimes it's just nice. They're like kind of a part of your neighborhood. You yeah, know? they're just like somebody you expect to see. It's a constant, and it's part of your routine. So it's, yeah, I enjoy it. I enjoy those things. I'm learning there's like a beauty in being a regular. And like having those regular contact points. I went to there's a bakery up the street called Five Points Bakery. Yeah. And I I love pastries. Like I'm a super serious sweet tooth. And I go I've go, been going in there probably since COVID. That's when I probably started going in there myself. And shout out to Olga because she she's the reason that I even found out about the space. She would bring up these board meetings and it was so good. Well, I've been going there so much that a lot of this they don't know my name actually but they, but they know, know my face 
they like, oh, hey, you know, a couple cookies, and you know, they don't know which ones because I always mix it up. And then the one lady had, she, I don't think, I think she might be was the store manager. I think she one time had inquired a little bit more, and I was like, yeah, I just moved my gym down the street because I think my frequency went up when I moved my gym over here. And I went in there one day and I had my GHP hoodie on, and she's like, hey, how's business going? We've never exchanged names. Hey, how's business going? Just that the third. See, but isn't that like? Doesn't that make you feel good? So yeah. Like somebody, there are people out there that you affected their lives, and they affect yours. And there's somebody thinking about you, and there's you are in somebody's mind, and it's such a human connection. Mm-hmm. Like they're strangers, and you could get to know them better, or you could leave them on that on that level. <clears throat> that they are now but it's it's that made you feel good right yeah you're like wow you remembered me you, you know you knew some stuff about me you wanted to ask about me and it just it's it's a you've got to make that human connection and without the work of you know uh oh let me call you we got to go out for a drink or, or whatever it's not like that kind of friendship where you have to maintain it to that mm-hmm. point but that person like is there it's yeah. there for you and they're thinking about you it's just kind of it that that's one of the things that I think people really lack <clears throat> when they um, put themselves into a single occupant car and drive to work every day mm. you know like you lose that that you know out in the world interacting um, and I think not that I'm interacting with everybody out there and you know cars go by and I might just wave to them but you know but if you're in a car you're not doing that right yeah no, right not at all <laughs> yeah you're not like saying hi to the bus driver you're not saying hi to you know you're not Matter of fact, they're all enemies because they're on the road and they're holding me up. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you're, you're like, get out of my way, you know. And so, when you're, when you're out on foot, it gives you an opportunity to have more interaction. And you know, like, I've had so many great interactions, like even with shopkeepers and like businesses and stuff, like. There was, uh, there was one time when I was living in Bellevue, I, or Bright Heights area, I was very early in the morning, needed a restroom. I'm like down in Emsworth, and there was, a, <clears throat> there was a diner, and the guy wasn't open yet. And I like came to the window, I came to the door, and he saw me, and before I could like turn away, realizing he wasn't open yet, mm-hmm. he was just there like getting stuff ready. He goes, he goes, hi. He goes, do you need something? And I was like, oh, I was, I didn't know you weren't open. He goes, do you need to use the bathroom? <laughs> I the, looked like I did. And I, he goes, oh, he goes, oh, it's right downstairs. You go ahead and you can go downstairs and use it. He goes, feel free, stop back anytime, you know, like just a, a nice interaction. You know, yeah. like, so I think that, um, when we put ourselves in cars and stuff like that, you lose that kind of human connection, yeah. human interaction. And then everybody, like you said, where are you enemies? Get out of my way. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I admit it. I'm like that when I'm in somebody's vehicle too. I'm like, oh, these people, this traffic, mm-hmm. you know? Driving brings out the worst of us. And then, yeah, exactly. And then, but when you're on foot, 
I remember there was one day I was running with my uh, two friends and we we did this loop and we had gone from town into Oakland and then we were up in the south side slopes so we had done this loop around and we're coming up somewhere in the slopes maybe in Arlington and there's a bus that goes from Oakland up into the slopes and this man we see this bus coming up the road um, in the back side of the slopes and this man goes he gets off the bus and he goes, I saw you in Oakland. How'd you get here? <laughs> and he was just incredulous. And he's talking to us and his significant other was on the porch and thinking, what is this man talking to these women for? Like, what is my significant other, my husband, boyfriend, whatever he was, talking to these three women like he knows them that are running down the street. He just was couldn't understand how we'd made it all the way and beat his bus. And it was just like whatever route they took. Mm -hmm. He goes, how did you get here? I just saw you in Oakland when I got on the bus. So that was, that, I mean, that's kind of like a fun thing, you know? Yeah. Like people see you and they, they do notice you because, I mean, runners out on the street might be a common thing, but it isn't overwhelming. You know, as far as that versus a car. So, you know, maybe somebody on a bus might notice you running. But I, it was just such a, like, a fun experience. He was, I think, working at the hospital. Okay. I think it was around Oakland, and then he was coming up for the day, so. Wow. Yeah. That was a cool thing. That's awesome. I'm so glad we got to do this. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for inviting me. Yes, thank you for coming down. you have any, any thoughts to share, final thoughts to share with people who are wanting to be able to add more running to their life and maybe never thought about doing the things that you do and, and being able to just give them that nudge to go that extra mile for themselves. It's, it's all about, you know, like making the time and being consistent and, you know, going out and, you know, you might start with the, just a couple miles make just make sure you have time for it like you make sure you make time for it there's a there's a time set aside for it and you're like this is my time if you have kids a job or whatever like people know this is this is your time if you want to carve out that time for yourself because if you don't make yourself a this is my time runner you know, it can easily get pushed to the side. Mm -hmm. You know, easily, like if you were an afternoon runner and you don't say, my run time is at four o'clock, and those meetings come up, those things come up, and um, and it's, it's little by little. As far as adding more running, it's little by little. I mean, you certainly don't go out and start running 80 miles. We all know that, right? You just... You don't get up one day and say, I'm going to go run 10 miles. You will suffer. <laughs> <laughs> you will be very upset with yourself if you did that, if you got up and just so just start small. And, yeah. But if it's running might not be for you. And if it isn't, that's okay too. You know, find the thing that, find the thing that brings you the joy. And for me, that's what it is. I'm on foot. I'm finding things in the city, you know, 
visiting different things in the city, different places, and seeing new things. And, and running allows me to do that. That's beautiful. So. Um, if anybody wants to keep up with your runs in the art, because you post a lot of the photos and things that yeah. you see, where can they find you? So my Instagram is uh, Run the Chance. And then my Strava is Alyssa Chance, and that's A L Y S S A Chance, like take a chance. All right. So that's why it's run the chance. That's awesome. I uh, hope you all got something great out of that. This was so much fun. I'm really glad we did this. Uh, we'll catch you on the next episode. Please make sure you like, subscribe, and share this with a friend who would love to hear a story like this. Uh, thank you very much, Alyssa. Thank you. We'll catch you all next time.